Welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast where we talk about anything and everything family law related. Welcome to another episode of Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with me, Alex, and my fellow family lawyer, Liza. Hey. Oh, she replied this time. That's I nice. did. <laughs> but I kind of, I was anticipating the reply this time, and oh. I think I was like, just jumped the gun just a little bit. You must have had enough coffee to do this today. I think so. All right. Now, we're going to take a, 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 tra- a travelling road ahead for all of us in this episode. Um, well, not for all of us, but those of our clients who separate later in life. So, for want of a better, t- better title, this is the Silver Separation Podcast. What happens? What's different? What are the things you need to consider if you are unfortunate enough to go through a breakup later in life. Or if you've got family and friends who are in that stage of their life and they happen to be going through a breakup. Yeah, these are some of the things that you, that will be encountered, mm. not in every case. Um, as with all family law cases, they're so nuanced to your own relationships. So always make sure that you get good legal advice before you undertake anything uh, through the courts or with the other side. Go and get uh, independent legal advice. You can contact us, of course, but this is only a a podcast by way of information just to give you some pointers about things that you might experience. So I'm going to jump in with a very famous case to start us off with. And this is a case that was decided by the High Court in 2012. And it's a case that it's seminal in family lawyers' offices. Everybody knows what we're talking about when I say Stanford and Stanford. So, Liza... Give us a quick rundown as to what happened in that case. Who are we talking about? So we had, um, this was a, as you said, 2012 case. Um, There was husband and wife. They got married in about 1971. And in 2008, the wife had suffered a stroke um, and moved into full-time residential care. And then she was later diagnosed with dementia. So the husband continued to provide her with care and some set aside some money in a bank account and all that sort of stuff. Um, and he continued to live in the matrimonial home. Then in 2009, um, the wife, although she was already suffering from dementia, um, through one of her daughters, um, applied to the family court for orders, altering those interests in, the, um, in their property between the husband and the wife. So, right, so trying to do a property settlement yeah, between them. even though that she was um, affected by dementia and um, unable to, to care for herself. And anyway, so at that time, um, they, the Family Law Act said that, you know, that the court can make a property settlement if it considers that it's going to be just and equitable to do so. Mm-hmm. And that's still the position today. So the, the, order ha- sorry, the orders have to be um, just and equitable. So um, at first instance, it was a magistrate um, who ordered that the husband pay his wife, I think it was 612000 yeah, That, that or would something. be a federal magistrate, yeah. which th- these days would be a federal court, a federal circuit and family court judge. judge. That's but right. At, that, in, at in the Div time, two. was in Div 2. At the time, it was a federal magistrate. Yeah. yeah. So, so they, they decided, what, sorry, 620000 612000 12, thereabouts. Right. Um, and that represented her contribution to the matrimonial assets. Right. So they'd been married for quite a long time at that stage. Yeah, I don't know how long exactly how long they'd been. I don't remember how long they'd been married for, but I, 
I, my my recollection was that they've been married for a while. Um, mm. for oh, actually, yeah, I do know nineteen seventy one. So that works out a while. We're not accountants on this show. No. You, you may have <laughs> covered that with an appalling grasp of maths. I, I, so, I generally defer to my 16-year-old son who's very good at maths for things like that. Um, but so no. anyway, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a long marriage, put it that way. Um, it's anyway, 37 years at the point well, that there she you suffered the stroke. There you go. Interesting. It's mm. a 37-year 30, um, relationship and they were sort of still – Oh well, anyway. Well, I don't want we'll to jump ahead. So anyway, alert. so husband appealed, right? To the full court of the family court. So back then it was just the family court. It wasn't, you know, um, now we've got the Federal Circuit Family Court. And after the appeal was heard, but before the judgment was delivered, the wife died. And her daughters continued proceedings as her legal personal representatives. Which you can do, providing the case is on foot. That's right. And it's... um, uh, there's uh, and the court considers that it's appropriate to yeah, do so. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's a little test, and we can talk about that later, because um, I had a, a case uh, a couple of years ago now where I had to go through this exact same process, but we'll come back to that in a moment. Um, anyway, so under the Act, if a party dies before the conclusion of proceedings and um, a court can still make a property settlement order as if they would have made that order had that person been alive... Um, and if it's still appropriate to do so, despite their death. So obviously in that sort of case, they'd be thinking of things like, okay, well, we can still make an order based on contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, future needs probably goes out the window uh, because there aren't really any future needs at that point because the woman has died. it depends on your existential view of the universe. But, but, it, but Yeah, there might be some. Well, actually, no, I can't see of any. No, future, think of any. future needs. Yeah, yeah I think future really needs so argument much. gets thrown out of it. Yeah, it's gone really, hasn't it? So um, so then that's what they were talking about there. Um, and then so in the first judgment of the full court, the full court allowed the husband's appeal. So um, they said the magistrate was wrong, shouldn't have done, um, shouldn't have made that it, uh, that particular order. Um, and in a second judgment, they also said um, that the full court ordered that the $612,000 be paid to the wife's legal personal representatives. Ouch. Okay. And upon the husband's um, – to reflect the contributions to the marriage. So – and then the husband – so when you – if you're not happy with the decision after you've had a full court mm. of the family court, you're only um, – avenue left then is to go to the high court so just like in the castle just like in the castle but you need special leave right so um and with so he went and got his special leave and appealed to the high court and so the high court these are, this is the highest court of the land that that's we're, right we're now now. so then the high court they allowed the appeal so then so they went with the husband they agreed with the husband yep so they said there was no basis to conclude that it would have been just and equitable to make a property settlement order had the wife been alive. She had not expressed a wish to divide the property. A property settlement order would require the husband to sell the matrimonial home in which he still lived and the full court had found on the material before the magistrate that her needs were being met or could be met by a maintenance order. The bare fact of physical separation when involuntary does not without without more show that it is just and equitable to make a property settlement order. So that's essentially what the court was saying in that 
when you look at it, you say, well, he's still in the home. He needs to be living in that home. And this is what we're yeah. getting back to when we're talking and, and about just was, and equitable. He was paying for her um, care arrangements anyway, yeah. wasn't he? He was making monthly or weekly payments. So, so when you're talking about what's just and equitable, we're talking about usually the effect of the orders as well. Yeah. Like that. So you sort of think, is it just and remembering going back over there, our previous podcast, the first question, is it just and equitable to make an, a, an adjustment in the first place? And sometimes that question says the answer is no at that at that juncture. Yeah, so that's it's really it's. I mean, sometimes it's talked about that four step process, but it is it's actually five, a five step, isn't it? Yeah, and so that's then the you go question. through, then yeah. you go through those other four steps, and then you come back to just and equitable. But it's just and equitable when we're talking about the effect of those orders. Now, the effect of the orders is for him to have to sell this home that he's living in. She's mm. got a home. She's being cared for. So, in, again, it's being – that's the order. the of her care. That's right. And that's pro- most likely the or- – like uh, the order that would have probably been made had she been alive would not have, uh, in my opinion – like this is just my opinion um, – if I was the judge, I wouldn't have made any sort of provision that, that meant that he had to sell his home. No. Um, no. Uh, and that he might have to keep paying – and pay some money or pay it as a lump sum, but nothing where it would be that substantial that he would it would force him to have to sell his home, particularly when she's already in accommodation and she is also set up. And, For and a 37-year relationship... And they'd never separated. No. It was a separation of circumstance, not That's by right. design. You know, she had a stroke, she became ill. Yeah. She was put into a care home, or was admitted to a care home. He was covering the costs of those care arrangements. Yeah. They were still married. They hadn't ever had a period of separation that hadn't been forced upon them. Mm. Then when she passed away, it was her daughters that said, well, you know, we might be able to get mum's, inverted oh. commas, share of the estate. See, the kids, they ruin it. They, they continue to ruin your life even when you're <laughs> on your deathbed. <laughs> and, and beyond. <laughs> so, yeah, very unfortunate. And I should say, look, this is a, from our perspective of today, this, you know, the silver separation, you know, the people mm. who experience breakups later in life or how family law um, can apply to people later in life. This is a couple where um, I think he was, what, 87? And I think she was 89. Yeah, I don't um, know their ages, but... So uh, these are some spectacular some spectacular decisions that would have been made. To, is that, yeah, the husband was 87, I think, at the time. It, it would have been incredibly unfair upon him, who had never separated from his wife voluntarily. It's not, like he, for her care. It's not like he can go and refinance and go, oh, no. hi, Mr. Bank person, I'd like to get a 25-year extension on my mortgage so I can pay her out. Or no, that's, that's, tr- that's a tricky thing. That's, that's an interesting conversation to be had with your friendly local you know, yeah. mortgage bank advisor. Okay, well, that's Stanford. And that's that's really, that, that sort of, a sort of chain of, of reaction for family lawyers around the country to go, right, we really need to be mindful about the just and um, equitable nature yeah. of property settlements of family law. Don't just assume that there will be one because it might be that people have always kept their finances separate. That's right. Right, so Stanford, is, and, Stanford and Stanford is a very interesting case and you know, for the, any lawyers listening, obviously, you'd be across that and anybody wanting to, uh, you can jump onto the High Court and read a little bit of a head note about it. It's quite an interesting case. Um, some of the other things that uh, we encounter then, if we're looking after a client who maybe uh, they're in their more senior years, uh, capacity sometimes rears its head. Yeah, it does. Um, and capacity in a legal sense. So uh, maybe you give me your two penneth worth on the sort of the experiences that you've had or, or okay, what Okay, so um, depending on the stage of someone's life, not and it's not just an age thing. It's not like I, I say everyone over the age of 85 – 
I have question marks over because it could be anyone. It could be someone over 60. It could be um, dementia can happen to any anyone. So it's not necessarily age specific, but I am usually a lot more conscious of that decision of, of uh, trying to understand what capacity, if there are any capacity issues that someone might have. And when we're talking about capacity, we're talking about their mental capacity, mm. their ability to understand advice and um, and you know comprehend that advice and to give proper instructions and, and be appreciative and understand the effects of what those instructions are. So it's not that, you know, sometimes a lot of the time you'll have someone who is going through a separation, they'll be assisted, in, you know, by their children, their adult children. And sometimes um, we have to just be very careful to make sure that we're identifying where the instructions are coming from. Are they really coming from the client or are they coming, are they, is the client being influenced by a child with an ulterior motive? You know, particularly when you've got blended families, um, obviously you've got um, some doubts that you might have with their intentions, with the children's intentions, because they know that um, if it all, if, if mum dies first, then it might all go to dad, but dad's now, you know, dad's not really, is, is never really um, been that close to us and all that sort of stuff. So mum and dad are, are on the rocks and they might as well separate. So a similar sort of situation to Stanford where the, ch- the kids do get involved. And as much as when um, we go through family law cases, when the kids are young and the kids are completely out of it, as the older the kids get, the more involved the kids become in all of these sorts of matters. So um, when we're talking about capacity, what we need to do is make sure that um, that that person has is you know is fully understanding of that advice. And a lot of the time, it's just a judgment call that we make. But if we uh, have concerns, we'll often send a client off to a GP, yeah, um, and or any other specialist if a GP isn't. Uh, comfortable giving that sort of advice Mm. it's a little more unusual in uh, our area of law family law Mm. but it does rear its head sometimes i mean it's it's not uncommon in uh, practitioners who work in wills and estates and succession law to be very mindful that somebody's advanced age may have an impact upon their capacity but because separations very late in life are relatively rare it's not something that we encounter too often, but when it does happen, it's important. I mean, you and I have, all, have both had um, matters where we've had clients whose capacity, is, it's not gone, but it is maybe impaired a little bit. Yeah. And therefore, there is the... Well, sometimes that happens. Sometimes that's hard to tell whether or not someone's got um, impaired <laughs> capacity or if their instructions are just rubbish. I don't know. Instructions are rubbish or, or they are just, that's always been their nature. <laughs> yeah, and, that's right. But... Where in, where in doubt, just make sure that obviously that if, if you're helping out a relative and they're going through this sort of problem, just have in mind, you know, are they really able to make these decisions for themselves? Should you be getting them, you know, uh, checked out by a doctor to give them mm. any help that they might need? And, and if somebody doesn't have the capacity to make decisions and they're going through, you know, this sort of separation thing, and it might be because of that capacity thing that is causing the separation, mm. get them some medical help, get a certificate, and if necessary, somebody may have to be appointed guardian for that person. Yeah, well, I think that's what happened in Stanford. The daughter was a case guardian yeah. for, for the mother who was, um, you know, suffering from dementia and obviously weren't wasn't able to give the instructions that she needed to give. So no, and, and you can understand that you know the husband was sort of paying what he could pay, but he was still in yeah. his very late eighties. It would have been a, a huge imposition and not untypical for an adult son or daughter to be doing sort of th- some of the water carrying at that point. Um, you, you gotta you gotta wonder if um, that 
daughter was written out of his will, though, after all this, like going into bat for mum. I just hope and he then spent it all on Grange and just drifted off into the into well, the Well, taking him through all those court hearings, it's insane. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's so we're coming off Stanford. We're just yeah. talking about capacity generally. That's an issue that can sometimes pop up. Mm. Um, a tangential issue about to do with um, a property adjustment order in family law. One of the things that the courts must consider, it's written in the Family Law Act, is the obligation that somebody has to care and or provide for somebody else. Yep. Now, that works in a couple of different ways with these sorts of cases. And one of them could be, for example, a husband and wife, they separate, or, or whatever partnership mm-hmm. separates, and one of them may be left looking after their elderly relative. Now, that is a, an obligation, and the courts will see it as a moral obligation, and it therefore increases that person's requirement for a slightly greater property adjustment order in percentage terms. Yeah, I'd never, I've never looked up. I've always looked down more at the yeah, uh, obligations to care for the children. For but the, it, it the cuts the other way the, as well. The younger ones, it, it not does. the it's, older ones It's care older for others. Well. So, and I think that might be something that we start to see more and more as the I years think it will be. Because the gener- you know, generationally we're growing older and older. Um, you know, dementia and... Um, infirmity are just you know, facts of life, unfortunately. And around the corner for some. <laughs> That's right. Don't look at me like that. And so, <laughs> I no. really didn't mean to, but, but I, and <laughs> then I started, I started my eyes just had to drift don't, away. Don't I was like, oh, hang on, sorry, so Alex. I can't remember what he said, but don't worry. He'll forget and he'll tell yeah, me again he'll in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Goldfish. But it could simply be that we see more and more of these kinds of cases where separated couples, one of them is left still looking after an, you know, a, a, yeah. a relative. I mean... Yeah, great expectations. You remember old Wemmick and the aged Pete? Mm-hmm. Are you looking at me like, you know, because I, I do I, like, Look, I, do I, like I was Dickens. just trying to think of who said be a goldfish. I'm still back at the goldfish. <laughs> there was Ted Lasso. Is that be a goldfish? Yeah, I don't think he was the first, though. Um, no, probably um, not. But the care but for that's, an, that's, an aged my, parent yeah. is, is going to be something that's going to become, I think, more prevalent in mm-hmm. what we do. There's another way of turning it around, too. Is if you're an older person yeah. and you've got grandchildren and you separate... In this world that we live in of multiple blended families, mm. it's quite possible that an older couple separate. One of those has got the care of a grandchild. Yeah. That then becomes also a factor that the court has to take into account when deciding between that older couple's property, the one that's got the care of a grandchild. Well, frankly, their, their future needs are a little bit greater yep. because to the extent mm. of that care. Well, as you get older, um, future needs become more important because you know you're more likely to have those act, health issues. Mm. Less likely to be, um, you know, if you've if you're recently unemployed, you're less likely to um, get gainful employment anytime soon because that a lot of people don't return into the workforce once you've passed the retirement age, um, or if you do, it, you're not earning what you used to earn. So there's there's often um, huge disparities when it comes to income and health and all those sorts of things between the parties. Mm. Um, but one of the – and a lot of the time if it's – it's often been a long marriage or long relationship too, I find, with the older um, couples, um, you know, because they've been around – their kids are now in their 40s. They've, these, we're talking about marriages that are well past – the 10, 15, 20 year relationship time. Um, and so contributions at that point are really out the window when it comes to trying to work out the property settlement um, 
most of the time the major focus for these people are, are on their future needs and looking at what each party needs mm. and what each party has and what their capacity is in terms of um, income earning capacity, not so much their mental capacity. Um, that is important too, but it's more about – that's more from a procedural point of view. We need the mental capacity. But in terms of the income earning capacity, if there's any disparity in those incomes, you know, one may have access – have like this – multi-million dollar super account and be able to draw from that because they're both past retirement age and one may have you know barely anything in their super well, and yeah, so and gen- that's I mean, that's right going back a few generations yeah. it would very often be the you know i mean brutally be the man that would have a lot of money in their super and, yep. the, and the woman the wife very little if anything at well all a lot of the like boomers and above are unlikely going to have too much in their super particularly the women because we're talking about a stage of our lives where, you know, women were stay-at-home mums a lot more and things like that. There weren't as many people, women in the Watching workforce. Watching Franny Craddock on the television and drinking gin for the most part. <laughs> no, I don't. don't. <laughs> Bottles are coming my direction, I know. Yeah, um, they are. <laughs> Arben Legal is proud to sponsor Split Happens. You'll be in safe hands with Arben Legal. For all your family law needs, call us on 07 or visit our website at arbanlegal.com.au. It's a brutal truth, of course, that future needs components, and we touched on it a little bit talking about Stanford, yeah. includes questions around life expectancy. Yep. And that's look. That's a very difficult thing. Oh um, yeah, we've got. Uh, I've got one. Uh, I've had one. I should say where um, the my client was um, was ill with cancer and in remission, but it's tricky because you've got to you've got to make sure that well, a you've got to be completely honest. You can't you can't fudge the figures. You can't say oh yeah they're expected to live till however long, but at the same time um, you need to get some sort of attention for the fact that their health isn't great. Um, so it becomes a bit tricky because if they've if their life expectancy isn't, you know, isn't, isn't what you're expecting it to be or hoping it to be mm. in order for a, a sizable um, case, well, you know, it might be that they've only got, they're only expected another five years. Well, there goes your future needs claim. Uh, well, it, it very much depends on its own facts, of course. Yeah. I mean, there was but a... The Fontana case of a few years ago, uh, a husband who had kidney problems, serious yeah. kidney problems, and of course the wife's case was that he's not going to be around very much longer. But the yeah. court said, "You just don't know that there That's could right. be transplants and things like that." So, it, you know, the specific—I mean, if you're talking about a lot of money yeah. you're litigating, specific medical evidence is going to be needed. But that's right. Generally, though, like in my experience, what I've what I've noticed is that. You know, the, if if you've given some bad news about life expectancy, then, you know, the argument you should be putting forward is, well, you know, it's more about quality, not quantity. So, mm. you know, give them that um, something to before they, you know, move on to the next next chapter of whatever lies ahead. Returning back to being stardust. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I mean, it is an interesting one, isn't it? Um, yeah. Okay, I've got another one here. There was a case... Um, it, it, Sorry, I'll roll back. The, the hmm. issue is to do with uh, then an imbalance between ages. These sort of 
You've had the expression, oh, yeah. a May to September type relationship, you know, where you've got a, yep. a, one person's a lot younger than the other. Yeah. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio and any of his girlfriends. <laughs> and any, anybody over the well, this will be 26. Not him now, but just fast forward, especially in a couple of years' time. Anyone <laughs> under the age of 25. Yeah, so if it's 25, he'll be still that going is, with That is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit well, he's 50, isn't he? Is he 50? Oh, I don't know. I'm just trying to work I it out. I, I, I thought don't know. he was. I, it's been a long time yeah. since the posters were up anyway. on my bedroom wall. Um, <laughs> Do you have posters up of Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, yeah, or was it Kate Winslet with the in the Titanic? Kate, you know, you when the, the you know the. No, I was um, I was being flippant. I didn't really have posters on my bedroom wall. Maybe some Aston Villa ones back in the day. Oh, of course you did. Yeah, actually, I've still got those photographs. <laughs> anyway, what I was driving at was where there's a difference in ages. Sometimes there can be a power imbalance. Yep, and that can cause. Generally speaking, because we're talking about the you know, the uh, how to protect the older person in these yep. situations. Um, I'll give you an example. There was a case yep. uh, only a few years ago, three years ago, and it was a case revolving a binding financial agreement for a couple that had been together for only about seven years. Mm-hmm. The case is uh, uh, Gongsun and Paling, if you want to look it up. And she was, at the time of this, 60 years old, I think, and he was in his uh, mid-80s. Oh, God, I was expecting, uh, when you said 60s or something. I was no, she, she was 60. She was 60, okay. He right. was in his mid-80s, so there was right. a, around about okay. a quarter of a century difference, yep. and, and he was very much in her thrall, mm. and as part of the financial agreement, he was basically giving her half of everything. It was a clear case, the court found, uh, as I recall, and I haven't got it in front of me, of one of unconscionable conduct. Clearly, somebody is using their ability to... Influence, unfairly. ability, or abilities. Oh, ability, ability. Well, I don't know. This is. Well, especially sixty. It's so. not English, is it? So no, no. no I'm. I no. I'm. Don't worry. It doesn't matter. I'm, I was being. I was being disgusting. It's all right. But she's sixty, oh and, and she's probably not the. Anyway, I was thinking that she was Ping persuading. Going to be involved in this. She no. was persuading him. Oh God, with no. you know the oldest craft. <laughs> Well, that's what I thought. That's where I, I thought you were getting. I this think Liza's talking about making wicker baskets when she talks about craft, there. <laughs> and that's what I'm going to satisfy. <laughs> well, anyway, but it's about that special disadvantage okay. that yes, somebody yes, finds himself in. So uh, I'm, I'm just moving on past the smut. That's it's fine. Just trying to talk about the mm. problem that's there as a legal yep. concern, which and if you if you do suspect that somebody is being um, pushed into an arrangement that is desperately unfair, and they're an elderly person, but they may very much want to be with that younger person and so their judgment might be clouded. I'm not saying that they would suffer necessarily an impairment of mind but their judgment may be clouded and it could be to such a point that there has been some either undue influence, maybe some unconscionable conduct. Those things can cause agreements and orders and arrangements like that to be set aside and something much fairer put in place which is why it's important again to go and get proper legal advice if you find yourself or or you know if somebody's in a situation. This is just by way of general information, things to watch out for. Yeah. Well, I was thinking of um, Rupert Murdoch and that... Yeah, Jerry Hall. Well, the one that called it off, the 66-year-old. Is that who it was? That was Jerry Hall, wasn't it? That was uh, Mick Jagger's ex. No, Anne Leslie Smith abruptly call off their engagement only two weeks after it was announced. Now, that was the one... Is that another... (laughs) Did she meet him or something? (laughs) So <laughs> she she climbed out of the post box and went, oh my goodness. Yeah, grief. but I'm just thinking, I was just I'm trying sure to imagine a, sure his, his, um, his binding financial agreement, like that agreement that would be put in place there. Like it's, I to me, it sounds. That, I imagine that Rupert has got enough money to be able to pay um, a, 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 
country full of lawyers to prepare the most cast iron agreement. Not yeah. that there even We've is had, such a thing. So I'm just because I'm reading the Daily Mail at the moment, flicking through that. Um, you're the one, are you? I am the one. You're, uh, well, is that you even know. a thing? I mean, since they mainly go electronic, well, it's, it's less useful than it used to be because I be didn't even to, know it was a, could, a form could, that you could do. So, yeah, you any could, other you could than dry your muddy boots on it before, but it's just a. No, it says not my kind Murdoch of. finalised his divorce from his fourth wife, Jerry, Jerry Hall, yep. um, in August 2022, following six years of marriage. So he was up to number four and he was with her for six years. And then so after that, he must have got hitched with this other woman. And um, yeah, his fifth fiance. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'd like to be his family lawyer. Well, yeah, you'd be on a retainer, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. That's what we need to get into. Some of these, yeah, these media magnates with you know, the with a revolving door. When it, it that would be that would just home. be an absolute nightmare with sorting out his um, his affairs because you know you're looking at he's got kids with other other women and goodness. Well, you've ju- actually you've jumped ahead with something oh, that I've scribbled okay. down in my little list yeah. here, which was about the adult children, and we have touched on it a little bit, but. Those sort of blended families and arrangements like that, they add a, co- a layer of complexity to family law cases mm. because there may be intergenerational um, loans. Oh, yes. There, there yep. may be farm properties. It depends on what there. day it is. Is it a loan or is it a gift? <laughs> yeah. And if it's a loan, is it a loan that the court would consider is likely to be enforced? Yeah. Back to my favourite case, Judge Nyan Petersons. Yeah. But there is that issue that arises more and more these days when... It's not just that old nuclear family, you know, mum, dad, 2.4 kids, a Labrador and half a car in the garage. It's very much any kind of family dynamic works down. There's a lot of occasions when uh, we might get, for example, an older client come to see us and they will bring their their adult son or daughter with them. That's pretty common now. Um, And one of the things, of course, we always have to say is, look, whatever advice we might give to your mum and dad is their advice. And if you're in the room, then that, that confidentiality has just walked out with it. Yep. So, again, be mindful. But if that person is, for example, their carer or their, their guardian, that's a little bit easier for us or an attorney. Yep. But, so, yeah, the involvement of adult children and then the involvement of grandchildren, it's just a mindful. The more I start thinking about the, you know, the silver separation needs, you know, we, we could do another five episodes on this. Mm. There are those cases when, you know, your husband or your wife, they ultimately they might end up being your carer mm. for you if, if things don't go wrong. I dare say my wife probably thinks she already is. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> don't look at me Are like you that. there yet? That's right, you're getting close. Are you there yet? What's for tea? And, uh, <laughs> it depends, you haven't made it yet. When? It's, um, yeah, so it's those situations when there's a change in the dynamic of the relationship. Mm. Yeah, really complex matters. Interesting, fascinating stuff. Yeah. What I would usually recommend, though, when if you're going to be facing or looking down the barrel of the potentiality of a split up late in life, is make sure that you go and see a good succession lawyer. Go and yeah. see somebody who can help you with your estate planning. Make sure that your wills are put in place properly. Make mm-hmm. sure that you do things like a, an enduring power of attorney and sometimes an advanced health directive. Those things will give you a bit of comfort knowing that whatever arrangements you have to reach with your ex, you, you've at least... You've ring-fenced as far as you can you, your wishes and your intentions and your, your own personal health care needs and things yep. like that. But again, that's not for us as family lawyers, although, I mean, I do have something of a wills estates practice, but I'd be saying go and see somebody who just practices in that area. Yeah, or just me. on that, just mm. on that, I wanted to um, just quickly mention, getting back to um, that case that I was talking about, 
where the wife um, where the wife died um, before the case was over. And in, in that case, I was... Oh, your case. That, that case that yeah. I was, yeah, I was in and I was acting for the husband and it was a long relationship but also a very long separation. And yeah, that was they it. had an informal separation back in the 90s. You've, you've ruined it. I was going to say, I was going to have a topic called Ghosts of the Past and you've just done that now. So. Oh. Anyway, no, no, but go on. Well, that's this, all right. No, no, no. This the, is, hang the, on. So, so this is so what happened was they had an informal separation, divided everything up, and then they both went their separate ways, um, and got and he's repartnered on multiple occasions, but still never got divorced. It wasn't until you know in the about twenty twenty or thereabouts he decided that he would uh, apply for a divorce and think, okay, because I'm actually going to settle down with this with this person. And in doing so, it triggered um, the former wife to jump up and file an application um, in the Federal Circuit and Family Court uh, for an for an order for a property um, adjustment. And she wanted a bit of what he had now. What he'd accumulated. Accru- accru- well, excuse me, put my teeth back in. What yeah. he'd accumulated after they had separated. Yeah. So, yes, they had a long relationship, but then they, their actual separation was longer than the relationship itself. And so what happened um, was that before we even got to a final trial, um, there was some evidence, some affidavit evidence had been prepared and filed. And before that um, got to a final trial, the wife died. So then the uh, the adult uh, son Gosh. of there the are parties... There hallmarks of Stanford in some yeah, respects here. The adult son of those parties applied for a legal personal representative order. So that was his son as well? That's his son as well. Golly. Yeah. So in that case, um, there was a, a lot of stuffing about about the will, whether there was a will, where was the will, etc. Um, and, of course, there, there was a lot of uh, sidetrack um decisions made about whether the will was an informal will and all that sort of stuff, which I won't bore you with. But when it came time for the court to decide whether or not that son could be substituted in the place of the wife, um, they had to decide whether or not um, an order would have been made and if it's still appropriate to do so. Now, in that case, um, because there was an informal property settlement and it was there was no way in the world that there was any contribution of any sort to any of the property that existed between the parties as at that date. And so our case, of course, was that there could be no case on contributions um, to the extent that there is any, um, well, that, you know, that it may have been a future needs case only to the extent that the court was going to entertain the application at all. But on her passing, it meant that future needs was completely gone. There were no future needs. So the court, had she been alive, yes, the court might have made the order, but still highly unlikely. But is it appropriate to do so now that there is no future needs component of the case? No. And so the case was dismissed. It ended. And it presumably ended. his relationship with his son and daughter gone. would have been gone as well. Gone. Goodness so, me. But one thing that is apparent from that is that um, if you are someone who's you know in your later stages in life and you're separating or separated um, if one of the parties dies or actually in any t- stage of your life doesn't really matter but if you die before the proceedings are on foot then 
the way that the property is divided, even if you're no longer in a relationship, you might be separated but nothing has happened. Unless you have filed an application or there's a proceedings on foot in the Federal Circuit and Family Court of Australia, then it's going to be dealt with under the rules of succession so as per your your state. Court. Your state. So if mm. you're in New South Wales, it will be New South Wales. If it's Queensland, you're in Queens. You know, you deal with it um, under the Queensland legislation. So it's really important that if you separate to go get your wills done and redone, even if it's before you're having, even if it's before you're going to divide everything up. Yeah, totally. It's you know, one you of the first things you should You go get hit do. by a bus the next day. Well, at least you 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 can um, deal with things in accordance with your will. So you know. And the Succession Act in your state. And the Succession. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talking of wills, um, uh, this one of the last things I was going to talk about on this particular subject for today was the treatment of wills because sometimes it's the case that people separating and one person comes from, say, a family with one, one of them's got wealthy parents, the other mm. one hasn't, and in separating the person without the wealthy parents may turn around and go, hey, they're going to get a whole massive chunk of money, mm. so I should get more of the property settlement. But, mm. but... Not always. You're, you're shaking your head at me there, and I... Go yeah, on. well, not always. So, those elderly... Sorry, those parents who have made wills and, say, the the really wealthy ones, you the only real way that... Well, it's not a real way, but the only real way you can guarantee is... I was going to say to give them mushroom sauce. But no, that's a bit bit distasteful um, in terms of the, I, I you know, getting rid no of the... idea what you mean. Yeah, the, the mushrooms Mushroom? lady. Mushrooms. The, the mushroom lady, the death cat mushrooms lady. Oh, gosh. That was recent. Yeah, sorry. That yeah, was, yeah, that. So I'm, I'm anyway. trying to think of a case that's involving the mushrooms. In no, family no, 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 no. So anyway, Fair well, that's what's, you know... Um, I was thinking of the White case, White and Tullock. It's an yeah, old, old no, case. No, I know, I know. Where they've you, you've lost, you've, you have to have lost capacity because then there's, there needs to be really no chance of them being able to change their wills. Because just because they've got lots of money, yeah, and that yeah, okay, it looks like you're going to get it. Who knows? They might find, they might separate themselves and then give it all to someone else. So the, it, the it's their own. It's called a they? will for a reason. It's their own free will. Yeah. It's, and that they parent do what can they change want. their mind. They can change the will yep. at the drop of a hat, providing they've got capacity. That's and right. And I suppose the other thing providing before a succession lawyer just emails me and say, don't be a fool, win, is there may be a circumstance of mutual wills where people yeah. can sometimes effectively have a contract to make wills that they won't change without agreement mm. with the other person. That might be a bit different. But typically, most wills, somebody can change them the same day that they've made them. Yeah. And so the courts will not regard those as even a financial resource of the ex-partner, so... Mm. Yeah, that's so. that's maybe a, again more of a wills and estates planning thing that somebody should take on board if they are you know, they, they can perceive that their children may be going separation ways. It mm. might be something to think about there. All right, well, look, there's there's a thousand and one things that we could talk about, but you know, we're not none of us is getting any younger. So I will hang up at this stage and say thank you very much indeed for listening. Let us know if you've got any questions. Um, I've been Alex, and she's been Liza. <laughs> and here we go. That's today for today, today only. For today, that's, I'm identifying as Alex still. Yeah. Um, that split happens. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks for listening to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast. If you want to hear more of our episodes, you'll find us wherever you find your podcasts on all good. Ones.